0: Welcome to the DTS Fitness Education Podcast. The aim of the podcast is to give you usable content for you if you're a health and fitness enthusiast or for your clients if you're a health and fitness professional. With different points of view and a little bit of fun, we break down information to give insights that empower and hopefully inspire through a lens of longevity and pain-free living for everyone. So stay tuned and enjoy. Welcome to the DTS Fitness Education Podcast. My name is Ben McDonald and I'm here with Becca and Andrew Meyer. How are you guys? Great, yeah. Ben.
1: Excellent. Yeah. Just so everyone knows, I'm, I'm Andrew.
0: <laughs> and I'm Becky. Excellent. And if you're listening to this and not watching it, Andrew is the one with the deeper voice and Becky's the one with the, uh, with the higher pitched voice. Because they can't see what you're doing, Andrew. We are here for this episode to do our DTS Roundtable. And discuss the podcast that we've had in this particular series, which was the um, How to Get Lean series. So, first off, let's just get straight into it. Let's start with Andrew. What was some of the key things that, or what were some of the key things that resonated with you, my mate?
1: Well, you know what, I'm going to start with John Berardi. So, one of the things that, that he that he talked about was a lot of people think of athletes are are the epitome. Everyone kind of looks to athletes as what what's the best of the best doing. Because athletes always have it figured out. And everyone thinks that to be more like an athlete, it needs to be more complex. But as John mentioned, the truth is that most of the time with athletes, things need to be more simple. And I really like that model. And it's something that we at DTS, you know, really agree with. We always talk about how the, the advanced skills are just the basics mastered. Yeah. And it was uh, Da Vinci that said simplicity is the ultimate sophistication. So the the concept of simplifying to make something uh, more advanced, really resonates with me.
0: Nice. With John, it was a real eye-opener eye when he said, sometimes the way that we coach our clients can actually send the client the other way. You know what I mean? And we think that we're like, hey, we're giving them all this great information and everything's fantastic. And then, but really to them, it's just sending them the complete uh, opposite way to the result that we want them to get, you know?
1: Exactly. Yeah, he had mentioned, um, well, the fastest way to lose fat is Liposuction, which I thought was which I thought was funny. but the most effective way might be a certain method, mixed modality training, different nutritional strategies, and things like that. but the mo- often the most effective may not be the most optimal because it has to marry with what the clients can do. Uh, what we always say at, at DTS is the demand has to equal the capacity, and I think that's kind of what what that's reflecting a little bit is whatever whatever demand that you're giving your client uh, to achieve their goal has to match with their capacity with what they're able to do. Uh, both with their lifestyle and with their current physical condition
0: yeah i like that mate i like that and that's sort of all-encompassing eh
1: yeah oh yeah yeah
0: fantastic bexter the queen of beckingham what really resonated with you my mate
2: oh with uh john priority so i've always been a fan of precision nutrition the information that they share to help support trainers has always been effective and very intriguing. With John, like just to kind of echo what Andrew was saying, you know, what is the most the fastest way to lose weight versus the most effective? And Precision Nutrition puts a lot of emphasis on behavioral coaching, right? That's their yeah. their main driver there. So if focusing on what is effective and you know, you have to understand what is actually going to work for the client, what are they willing to adhere to um and be consistent with because it may seem that a specific plan that you have in mind that has worked for numerous clients in the past has always been effective. You might come across a couple of clients. It's definitely not going to be effective.
0: Yeah, and do you know what? I think that personalization carried across Mm -hmm. like pretty much everybody who came on was like, oh, it's got to be personalized. So the person, you know what I mean? It, It sort of carried across straight through the entire series.
1: I liked how he used, he kind of used the phrase lifestyle engineer. Yes. That was a powerful term, I think.
0: Cool. As far as John goes, thumbs up. He had some great stuff, resonated, excellent. Uh, ben Pratt, he's got a fantastic name because he's called Ben, right? For me, this was um, an excellent, excellent one. What resonated with you on that?
1: Yeah, so so he mentioned the, the quickest way to get lean was consistent behaviors. Uh, but you have to look a layer a layer beyond that in terms of what can be impeding the behaviors and he talked a lot about appetite and I I think that's great that's something that in the lean body coach course that we talked a lot about because appetite seems to be the one thing that people don't realize is often getting in the way of their of their results there's a whole there's this whole relationship between hormones and how everything's regulated a lot of people think that um, you should just be able to not eat something um, or you should just be able to naturally stop but what they don't realize is all your hormones that are, that are made or that are there to help you stop eating don't work that well in terms of helping you to stop eating. They work very, very well to prevent you from, from dying of, of starvation, to help slow everything down. But they're not that great at preventing weight gain. It's a very asymmetrical relationship between the two. And what a lot of people don't realize is one of the biggest things is actually it's flavor. The better something tastes, the more of it you will eat. So when he talked about the the behavior, a lot of the things behind the behavior are the types of foods that are around you. You know, if you're you've got a box of of Dunkin' Donuts, the chances are you're going to eat more of them.
0: Dunkin' Donuts.
1: That was life. just that was just a reference. I don't eat Dunkin' Donuts. I'm. A, <laughs> I just was th- I was trying to think of a box of donuts. Krispy Kremes was what I was going for, but I couldn't I couldn't remember the name. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Yeah. Krispy Kreme, Dunkin', they're all, they're all donuts, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, I'm, I'm,
1: a, I'm a pizza, burger guy, if I had my choice, but yeah, I know a lot of people like sweets.
0: I feel, yeah. I feel you, the my man, is, I feel you.
1: Flavor, flavor is where it all goes wrong.
0: Yeah, I, do you know what, with, the, with Ben, what really resonated with me was he sort of flipped everything on its head, eh? It was mm-hmm. like, in his hierarchy, the number one thing you need to look at is sleep. Yep. Yeah. Second thing was diet. Third thing was stress. The last thing was exercise. And the way that you sort of broke it down with like, oh, if you think about it, you spend six to eight hours every day sleeping. If you look at it purely from an amount of uh, time spent on each of those components, then sleep is where the biggest sort of bang for the buck is. And I was just like, flipping heck, you know what I mean? We focus on all these different areas, like we focus on smashing people like uh, sort of inherently as trainers it'll be like, get in the gym, like really smash it out and then go home and eat a lettuce leaf. You know what I mean? But to look at it from that sort of flip side where it's like, you know, sleep regulates all your hormones, a couple that with your stress. It's like, uh, as you were saying about all these different hormones that we have, people a lot of the time sort of skip that and look at purely, purely that calories in calories out, which Mm. obviously plays a huge component, but you've got to look at the flip side as well a little bit sometimes. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely.
2: The one thing uh, that really resonated with me with Ben is somewhat of what you were just saying, Ben, Um, his four rocks, which are first sleep on the hierarchy, sleep, stress, then diet, then exercise. Like that's how you should be addressing. And um, one thing that I was thinking about as well, too, is what Andrew was saying, you know, like flavor being the main driver. Ben was talking about, you know, if you have someone who is suffering from lack of sleep, whether it be um, shift work or stress, not able to sleep, if they wake up at three in the morning, if you have food that's flavorful, that's what they're going to want to binge on, right? right? Lack of sleep, you're going to have hormonal effects that will trigger you to crave, you know, specific food. If you are to wake up at three in the morning, you're not going to be looking for a steak and broccoli, right? You're going to be looking for a bowl of cereal or Andrew's Dunkin' Donuts, whatever, right? <laughs> those are the things that you're going to be focusing on. So I, I think it's about managing your environment and what you have in your environment, as well as focusing on those hormonal imbalances that could be affected by sleep.
0: Yeah, controlling what, because if it's not there, Bex, you can't eat it, eh?
2: Yeah. And you're not going to have any sort of guilt associated with eating like steak and broccoli at three in the morning, if that's kind of what you need. The better
1: it tastes, the more you'll eat too. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah. Um, you guys are both saying like the the hierarchy really resonated. I, I absolutely agree that, that people underestimate the power of stress and sleep. I think some people uh, lean on stress a little bit too much. I'll hear somebody say that uh, the stress is getting really getting in the way of them uh, losing weight. And it's not that it gets it's a, it's a factor. It's not a cause. So how stress works in in both sleep and recovery is how it really affects your, um, or how it can affect your metabolism. So the mistake that I see a lot of trainers make is they think that energy output is linear. They seem to think that if you need uh, a baseline of 2000 calories, that anything above 2000 calories is just making you more efficient. So if you eat less than 2000, great uh, it'll help you lose weight right if you do more than 2000 calories or more activity the more you do the better the, what actually ends up happening is the less you eat and the more you exercise which is essentially a stressor you actually hit a point of kind of diminishing return where your body can actually only produce so much energy it's it's the number's actually finite it's not continuous yeah as you start reaching an upper limit the whole demand versus capacity you actually start revving your metabolism down and you start pulling energy from other essential things to feed the exercise and also run the caloric deficit. So that's why often, you know, uh, we see it a lot with, with female physique competitors where they'll lose their period. People complain about having a foggy brain and things like that. A lot of the essential skills that they need or essential functions um, start to diminish because they're actually not recovering or sleeping enough. And actually, they're doing more harm in that the body's not functioning, and they're not functioning optimally, and that the, the results aren't really getting better they're not getting more result it's diminishing return so the, the, essentially the juice isn't worth the squeeze after a certain point yeah and the more you the more sleep you get the more juice you can get out of it the less stress you have the more juice you can get out of it and also controlling you know kind of the the amount of deficit there
0: i know this may be a complicated or, or could potentially lead to a very complicated and complex answer but is there any is there any sort of rule of thumb or easy way, Andrew, for the people that are listening, where you can actually say that's my threshold? So there are there are definitely
1: things that you can do. So actually, heart rate variability is an awesome tool. It's just harder to get access to. So there's different monitors out there where you can measure somebody's heart rate variability, which is just the time between um, heartbeats. So the greater the variability, it means the more dynamic you are, and the better the better you can handle stress. The less time, it means that you're actually tapping too much into your into the stress response to be on almost on like a rhythm so that's something that works very very well it's a little bit harder to get a hold of it's becoming a little bit more popular I mean other than that it's essentially the the how do you feel today journal right where it's you know am I sore how's my sleep am I my sensing sugar cravings or something like that Yeah, the self-reflection journal
0: with a subjective method as well, like that, I think that's nice and easy, straightforward. Um, yeah. and if, if a client says, Oh, do you know what? I'm feeling He's shattered today, it takes into account not only the physical but the mental aspects as well, you know what I mean, and Definitely. the emotional side of things. That's cool, excellent, thank you for that, my mate. Cool, so let's let's move on to the uh, to the next one in no specific order. What resonated with you as far as Dr. Mark Bubbs, aka Bubbs, yeah?
2: One thing that kind of stuck out with Mark is. The approach that athletes take, you know, everyone assumes that they have, you know, a special plan modality to help get them through their programs. Meanwhile, it's just the basics, right? Like they just focus on keeping it simple, focus on the basics. And that's what majority of the people need to do as well too. You know, when they're looking at fat loss, when they're looking at nutrition management, just keep it simple and just focus on the basics.
0: Yeah, do you know what? I think that's key, Because eh? it's like, everybody's like, oh, if you do this new diet, or if you do this new blah, 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 this and that, and, the, and everything's like shiny and new, and people are like, oh, and they jump like magpies, they jump from one thing to another thing to another thing to another thing.
2: Exactly.
0: But you never really know what actually works, because you've not given it the chance to actually work for you, you know what I mean?
2: Yeah, that's exactly it. And there's always going to be new fads or there's always going to be some complex equation to, you know, like how to lose weight or how to get in shape, but it really is simple. It's just about monitoring and being consistent.
0: Nice. And what about for you, Andrew? I'm, I'm a big
1: fan of, of Mark's. Mark and I have known each other for a little while now. What I love about Mark is, is Mark's a naturopath who, like Becky was just saying, really boils it down to the essentials in terms of what gets the biggest bang for your buck, what needs to be done to get the result that you're, that you're looking for. I like that he you know, brought it back to the, the calories in, calories out, but also the context still matters. Uh, I think that that's an important thing to, for people to understand. You, know, it, you do still have to satisfy that, that equation, the, the law of thermodynamics, but there's some extra things there that still matter as well. He also mentioned that the more weight that you have to lose, the more weight that you should lose initially. Uh, So if you're somebody who's only looking to lose the last 10 pounds, you don't need to be so hard on yourself. It's a lot tougher. And if you're somebody who has a lot of weight to lose, the good news is you're set up to get good momentum. And momentum is really the key for having a successful successful weight loss strategy because success feels good. So as soon as you start feeling some momentum, it's
0: easy to stick to the plan and become more committed. I like that momentum. If you start losing that weight initially straight off the bat, you're like, "Oh, I've got this," and then yeah. you start to, "Hey, I'm looking good, I'm feeling good," and it sort of carries you through the rougher times to come. You know what I mean? Because everything's going to slow down at some point. You know?
1: They say with the, uh, I always hear the, the Apollo rocket reference. So essentially, you know, so these numbers are, are variable, but you'll get the you'll get the point. Uh, when they first went to launch to the moon, it was something like half the fuel, twenty percent of the fuel was used in the first. Two or three or ten ten miles to get out of the atmosphere, when it was a like a two thousand or twenty five hundred mile trip, just to just to budge and get off the ground, use the vast majority of the fuel, and then the rest from there was just was momentum. You still had to use energy, and it was still it just still took work. But if you can just get it going and get the momentum, that's the real powerful part. It's the hardest part, but it's powerful.
0: Nice. So just think like I'm like a rocket ship. Just waiting to blast off. Yeah,
1: yeah. just get off the ground.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Excellent, mate, excellent. Uh, Last but by no means least, how did we feel uh, or what resonated with uh, Kyle Riley, the Mancunian lad who's living in Australia?
2: The one point when Kyle's talking about chronobiology, specifically being able to identify if somebody is more of an early bird versus a night owl, right? And how you can really cater to uh, success for them by identifying, you know, like proper eating habits and training times. You know, I think a lot of people try and force specific training times in because they think, well, Nope, this is the best fasted cardio. First thing in the morning is the way it's supposed to work. But if you're a night owl that can actually cause your cortisol to rise even more and it could make it, you know, less effective for you. So being able to take the time and identify, you know, who your client is and what specific time of day for their nutrition habits or their workout is actually going to be most effective for them. And it's interesting because a lot of other professionals, uh, for example, Daniel Pink, are Um, relaying that sort of uh, modality you know chronobiology and how is it most effective for an individual right down to when is the most optimal time to have a meeting at work when people are actually going to be attentive and most effective in their work right so it carries over to a lot of other areas of our life Um, not just our nutrition and training and you know fat loss but a lot of other areas
1: do you you want to elaborate for uh, for the listeners who Daniel Pink is
2: yeah. So Daniel Pank is an author that focuses on, uh, I'm trying to think of his last book. So when, that's when he focuses more on the chronobiology of individuals and when is the most optimal time to do different aspects of life, whether it be career changes, whether it be your work schedule to become more successful in life. That's where I first started to learn more about chronobiology. And so I found it interesting when uh, Kyle was talking about the same uh, sort of effect that it can have on individuals with their nutrition and training. That, that's a great nugget. If, you,
1: if you're a little bit of an entrepreneur or you like efficiency, Daniel Pink's book is kind of from that perspective. It's all about the, the art of timing. And chronobiology is a big part of that. Nice. And what
0: was it called? When? Just when. when. Yeah. When, when by Daniel Pink. that's easy to remember for me Kyle used a couple of great analogies and there's lots of variation between the different types of people and different chronobiology and epigenetics and all this that and the other but he was saying some people are like speedboats and some people are like ocean liners the speedboats like they get up in the morning boom and they're like ready to go like 100 mile an hour straight into it they're the people who can eat the frogs in the morning like all that sort of stuff get the worst stuff out of the way very very first thing but they tend to be, interestingly enough, a little burnt out by about five o'clock, right? Yeah. Some people, like ocean liners, the tugboats have got to pull them out like, to get them started. It's like slow and steady. But then once they are going, it's, you cannot stop them, you know what I mean? I found it interesting when he was like, if you try and get a speedboat to do what a, an ocean liner does, oh, mate, like you're never going to get anywhere, so, and vice what versa. So another good nugget,
1: uh, this is taking it from Daniel Pink's book. When you're a speedboat, some speedboats, it's good if they they have to recharge, right? Because they're sprinters. Yeah. Um, so he talked about the concept of, of, a, of a midday siesta and how some gene types do much better with a, kind of a midday nap. You know, I think there's another book out there, uh, Take a Nap, Save Your Life. Um, so, but he, he gave this great strategy called a nappuccino. So essentially what you do is you have coffee for the sake of the, of the caffeine, right? So it's not about enjoying the coffee or drinking it slow. You might have a shot of espresso or a quick Americano, slam it down. It's going to take about, depending on, on, on how fast you digest, 20, 30 minutes to kind of start to hit your bloodstream when the caffeine starts to lift up. So you slam the coffee, lay down, put your eye mask on, and you have, give a rest for about 25, 30 minutes. And then right when you're done with your little nap, the caffeine's starting to help kick you up. You get up and back at it.
0: When you've for, had your little nappuccino, your nappuccino. Your nappuccino. I love it, eh? Nappuccino. Yeah, yeah. That's brilliant. I like that. I might go into Starbucks and ask for one. Yeah, can they make them? Can they have a nappuccino? <laughs> yeah. Well, they, they don't sell that. They don't
1: come with a hammock, but if you can find the hammock and a tree, you can get a nappuccino at Starbucks.
0: That's a fantastic idea. If you're a speedboat, maybe a Nappuccino's for you. But if you are a cruise liner, no nappuccino for you.
2: Exactly. You don't need it. You don't need I'm it. not a napper myself. I would be a complete bear. I'd sooner just keep going and go to bed when I go to bed, right? But I can get through the day and do what I need to do. But I, I'm definitely not super, super ambitious in the morning. I'm not eager <laughs> to get up early. I say that.
0: <laughs> I'm quite a morning person. You know what I mean. So I, I think I'm I'm good with that. I get up, I'm like, woo! I'm ready to go, and then, uh, but I'm still ready to go later on, anyway. So I'm, I don't know what's going on. Fantastic! Mm-hmm. We've spoke about everything as far as the different podcasts and what resonated with uh, with you guys. One last thing that I want to ask you: I know that um, Andrew, you you designed and developed the body transformation specialist, which is a combination of lean body coach and uh, hypertrophy, along with a, a, a bridging course in there as well. Becky, I know that for you, you're going to be heavily involved with the mentoring side of, of that program and yeah. just so that the listeners know like uh, both of you guys were uh, competitive f- figure athletes uh, am i saying that right and we figure athletes are completely like you're like no we were bodybuilders well, yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I, I, I generally say like physique, physique athletes is how i because yeah. my physique, apologies I'll, I'll, well i should say the word the term physique is all it's all It's fine, Ben. Figure. I, hey, man, I'm a figure. Phys-
0: physique. Physique. No, because it's, it's more for the people that are out there. that will be getting emails yeah. like, you said figure athletes is physique. You know what I mean? So, physique yeah. athletes. Did you have any points on top of what has been discussed in the podcasts that you think would resonate with people who are listening?
1: An, an underlying topic that we, that we heard a lot from everyone was the, that it's all about simplicity and everyone's always looking to make it more complicated. So, when you start getting into a lot of the, the hormonal stuff, I remember like Kyle talked a lot about inter- individuality and, and how much that matters, and he's, he's absolutely right. But when you start getting into, into that end, you have to make sure that you've taken care of all the basic stuff first in terms of the calories in, calories out, your food, um, sleep, everything else that, that we've talked about. People get obsessed when they start thinking of the higher levels that they need to spend more time working on these, these advanced things, but these advanced things often have the smallest margins. Yeah. By margins, I mean, you know, return, return on an investment. So people spend too much time and effort trying to optimize the smallest margins. So focus on what the biggest bang for your buck is. I think it was the, the Pareto principle, which is the, the 80-20 rule. Yes. What 20% can you do that will give you 80% of, your, of the result? You know, really focus on that. And, and honestly, you can, those basic principles get you
0: lean. I think that is an excellent way to finish it. Just focus on the basics, and that will get you lean. That will get you lean. Right, Bexter, this is serious now. Questions that matter. It's questions that matter time. Who would win a fight between a great white shark and a saltwater crocodile, and why?
2: Saltwater crocodile. And why, Bex? Why? You've got to back it up. Because they're water and land reptiles. Oh, So they can easily drag the shark on land and they still have an advantage.
0: Do you know what? Nobody has said that, but I like that. I like that, drag it up on land, eat it, or kill it and then eat it.
2: Yep, where the great white doesn't have that advantage. Water is its only advantage
0: fantastic there you go What you, Andrew's like ah, yeah that's my wife nice one alright guys thank you very much for for uh, for coming on and giving us your uh, little nuggets of information and the things that resonated with you from that, that particular series yeah thanks for having us Ben thanks Ben no problem I'm going to finish it with a go Andrew and Becky Meyer <laughs> That was the DTS Fitness Education podcast. You can follow us on social media or visit us at dtsfitnesseducation.com for more knowledge applied. Remember, there's a new episode weekly, so thanks for listening and go DTS Fitness Education!